How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Welcome back to Locked on Bucks presented by BrewHoop.com. This is Frank Madden of BrewHoop.com, joined as always by my friend and co-editor and co-conspirator in uh, in podcasting, uh, Eric Name. How you doing, Eric? I'm good. Uh, I just enjoyed talking about Ray Allen a little bit, and now we get to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, so the two topics, uh, so we're recording this again Monday night. We just recorded our, our first pod about the Ray Allen to Milwaukee uh, speculation, and the other big topic that overwhelming these were like the only two topics we got tweets about delva dover whelming delva dova well done Um, nope first one you had it delva uh the two topics that everybody is is clamoring for uh when we asked uh, what we should talk about tonight chase ryan just tweeted an hour of delhi uh bbd uh nick bbd marenic tweeted us delhi's great two games in olympics with no turnovers um and uh and jack's goods uh, jack goods asks us delhi versus mcw for the starting pg role who fits Giannis lineup better we'll get to that as well um but i wanted to to tee you up eric so i'm uh i'm currently traveling for work i'm in boston i was trapped in the uh atlanta airport for much of my day during delta's uh had like a power outage shutdown uh is there food you like in the atlanta airport uh well, ironically, somebody actually t- tweeted at us asking uh, one of the questions for tonight's podcast was Qdoba versus Chipotle. And I actually had Qdoba at the Atlanta airport today, which is a controversial decision because is that- it's, right, it's right next to a Chick-fil-A. And normally mm. I'd say you got to go Chick-fil-A. I don't think you can go wrong with the Qdoba or Chick-fil-A. Um, and I know uh, uh, your real-life friend from ESPN Milwaukee, uh, Pratik Patel, my, I guess, Twitter friend, I think I can call him that. Yeah. Uh, he's a big fan of the, uh, <laughs> the Chinese restaurant, the like sort of fast casual rest. What, it, what, it, I can't. Oh, uh, PF Chang's, PF Chang's. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot that. PF Chang's has a restaurant in the oh, same. Oh, okay. And he's a big fan specifically of the PF Chang's in the Atlanta airport. So there's <laughs> like all these. Co- Lots of competing I, interests. See, that uh, was why I asked because I remember there being some Atlanta airport hot take that you were involved with, and yeah. that was it. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. So I'm and I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna derail this whole podcast on Qdoba uh, <laughs> versus Chipotle. <laughs> I, I like both. Okay, I think the I, I like the tacos. A little, I'm a tacos or salad guy at both of them. I don't do burritos really. Um, I prefer the tacos at Qdoba because they have those horrible for you taco shells that you can oh, get. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, uh, I probably enjoy the tacos at uh, the crispy tacos at uh, Chipotle more. And if you prefer one or the other, that's fine with me. I don't really have a strong opinion. Um, I, I'm not a, I'm not as big a fan of Moe's. I had Moe's for the first time recently. I wasn't as big a fan of I'm that. trying to think where I had Moe's. I had Moe's one time, and yeah, I could take it or leave it as well. Um, yeah. If I have to, I don't even know if I, 
probably Chipotle. Um, but I don't I don't appreciate the takes people have at Qdoba, and I I think it takes some unnecessary hate. It's it's just fine. It is just it's fine. fine. They're, they're all in the grand scheme of fast food. They're good anyway. Okay, uh, enough of that. Uh, we don't need to talk about <laughs> Atlanta airport stuff. But bottom line, I was not able to watch the uh, thrilling uh, Australia Serbia game uh, in which Matthew Delvadova had twenty three points on eight eight shots and thirteen assists, following up his uh, ten assist game against France in another really good uh, Australia victory over. Uh, France in the first game of the Olympic tournament. They next face the U.S. on Wednesday, so you may that game may have happened by the time you hear this. I think we're trying to post this on Wednesday, um, and obviously I have no expectation that Matthew Delvadova is going to look great against the U.S. But um, I don't know, Eric. You you were watching today, like any kind of takeaway, like big takeaways. Like what are you seeing from Matthew Delvadova? Are you seeing him doing different things? Are you just seeing him being kind of a better version of his old self? Um, well, you know, anything kind of takeaways? Because obviously, not everybody has time to watch Olympic basketball during the workday. Um, I'd say the first thing that I kind of enjoy is just Olympic basketball. Period. Um, it's kind of cool to see guys that are either role players in the NBA or were once role players and are now stars in Spain or. Croatia or Lithuania or wherever they may be getting to have large roles and be fun, cool basketball players. I just love getting the chance to watch it. And if you ever miss anything during the workday, just NBC is incredible at streaming. Um, something I've found out through my EPL love, um, but their Olympic stuff is all great. So if you ever want to watch a replay, it's, I, it's pretty easy to do. You just have to pull it up on NBCOlympics.com. I just did a live read for them if they want to pay me. Um, but it's very good. They don't, they don't want to pay you, Eric. So oh, okay. Well, I, yeah. you know, I was just trying to help out. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if you ever want to watch it, go ahead and do it. Um, as far as Del Vidova, um, I think he's given you all the things you were kind of expecting. Um, just annoying de- defensively. Um, he, he, he really was like, there was a couple times where he had bumps on the way to the basket. Um, and sometimes where he got away with some stuff and it was like, okay, that's exactly what I thought Matthew Delvadova would be defensively. Um, he is very physical defensively, which as a guard, obviously, and with NBA hand checking rules might not be ideal. So again, I didn't watch every Cavs game uh, the last two seasons, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was times where Delvadova enters a game, picks up two quick fouls, and has to see himself to the bench. Um, I would not be surprised if that happens while he's in a Bucks uniform uh, this season. So defensively, I think he is kind of what you'd expect. He works really hard through screens. Uh, he does a lot of grabbing, a lot of holding, a lot of bumping. Um, pretty much what you expect there. Offensively, it's interesting. The I think we talked about this when they first signed Delvadova was that there's there was I think a Deadspin article that was like Matthew Delvadova and his terrible lobs are back or something like that. And in the finals, there's just in last year's finals, there's just a couple clips of just horrendous lobs at the rim that he threw to Tristan Thompson that weren't even close, comically bad terrible terrible stuff um and i think from that and i guess some of the other things you think of matthew delvadova you think oh my god that's that's terrible and then i 
then I think in that same podcast, we'll be coming with, well, Synergy says he's really, really good when he gets the ball to the guy on the roll. And I, I think you tweeted it out or retweeted it one time. And what, I don't even know what it was. It was the ridiculous. It was, a syner- it was a synergy synergy stat that, yeah, like off of his pick and rolls, his teammates shot, I think, a league high. And it was either like effective field goal percentage or like field shit. But it was basically like when Matthew Delvado was in a pick and roll, like wonderful things happen, which obviously is partly, you know, being on a great team. But it was certainly an encouraging number because, you know, nobody's looking at him and saying like, oh, like just put the ball in his hand and let him be, you know, let him be a, a creator. And pick yeah. And, and I think there was a little cognitive dissonance there where people were just like, nope, that can't be true. I think he's terrible. Like this is not computing. So I'm just going to reject it. Um, and I think I'd, a couple times I know last year I read Zach Lowe's stuff and he would talk about how the Tristan Thompson Delvadova pick and roll kind of was turning into a dangerous weapon with the Cavs uh, second unit. So that is kind of, I guess played out in this Olympics. He has really great chemistry with Andrew Bogut uh, and Bogut. What a wonderful player to watch play the game of basketball. He's just so active off ball and really does a lot of nice things with slip cuts and different things like that. And it's been Delhi to Bogues, alley-oops all the time, pretty much. Um, so, I mean, a, a majority of those assists have gone to big guys, either uh, Bogut or Aaron Baines, and he's put a lot of lobs in the right spot. And And I think the the thing you, you kind of struggle with is what does he do when he's forced to put the ball on the ground? That, okay, we know he's a good spot-up shooter, he's good catch-and-shoot, and that's fine, but when teams run him off the three-point line, what can he do? And his in-between game is very unique, let's say. Uh, there's there's a lot of floaters. There's a lot of stuff that looks unathletic, a lot of stuff that looks really bad. But really, a lot of the times when he puts something up in the air uh, for a lob, it ends up being in the right spot. And uh, Baines and Bogut have got a lot of easy finishes because of it. Um, so I, I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, he shot off a little right-handed hesitation move today that I didn't necessarily think he had in him. Um, And although he's generally slow in comparison to other point guards, I think he does a nice job changing paces, which I I don't think I necessarily believed before watching a a larger portion of his games these last last two games here in the Olympics. But obviously, as we need to say here, it's Olympic basketball and it's not the NBA and they kind of let you play a little bit more physical there. Uh, the guards might not be as quick. They're not going to be as elite, elite defensively. So all these things are great, but we're going to see them play the U S team on Wednesday. And for some reason, I don't think those hesitation moves are going to work quite as well on Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I think the encourage, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm glad cause I had asked like, wait a minute, is is Delvadova good or bad at lobs? Because I just felt like I kept hearing really different views yeah. of that. Um, and obviously he had, you know, in Thompson and LeBron James, he had a couple guys at least who, who obviously <laughs> can, can go up and, and get it and, and make you look like a like a good finisher. Uh, so certainly encouraging to hear that he's, you know, has this good chemistry with Bogut. And man, I, wouldn't it have been fun if the Bucks had uh, nipped in and, and gotten Bogut on his, uh, I think he's an expiring deal. 
uh, when when the Warriors were trying to clear cap room. Wouldn't that have been fun? Yes, for, Frank, for it would have been wonderful and magical, and I would have loved every second of it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, okay. Um, so cool that he's throwing lobs. That's great. Um, you know, again, he doesn't have to be a guy that has the ball in his hands all the time, but obviously if he can do a little bit with it, that, that's great. Uh, and I think the other thing, too, is just, you know, the fact that he's playing at a at a high level, relatively speaking, for him, and you know that he's not going to come into camp out of shape, I think, is, is the other sort of quietly yeah. valuable thing coming out of this, because um, you know, I think when we look at when guys uh, maybe are disappointing as as free agents, it's often when uh, they maybe don't work as hard during a summer because they don't want to get hurt or they don't want to do something because they're free agents, and then they show up to camp out of shape. I mean, the the, the classic example is is Charlie Bell, who had a really long summer trying to get his deal in two thousand seven, had a lot of animosity because the Bucks didn't show him the respect he wanted, and blah blah blah. Long story short, he ends up shining an offer sheet with the Heat sort of at the end of the summer. As the even even more recently, Middleton admitted to it after the season this year that I yeah, came yeah. out of shape, and it was because I wasn't doing anything until I had my deal signed. So yeah. it, it it is a thing that happens a lot more than I think people would think. Yeah, so and I think that's that's a valuable thing, right? Because I think guys like Delavadova, the fundamental thing that makes me worry about a guy like Delavadova is you just gave a four-year contract to a guy whose margin of error in being a, a useful NBA player is not very high, right? Yeah. And it's not to say he's going to get lazy or he's going to get fat or whatever, but you know, if he has a season where he doesn't shoot forty percent from three, or if he has a season where you know for whatever reason his his some aspect of his game is off. Maybe he's carrying nagging injuries or whatever it might be. Uh, then he he be, could, could pretty quickly become a guy that you really don't want on the court. Um, yeah. I mean, you hope that that doesn't happen. You hope that he's going to play. Oh, he's going to play the defense needed. That he's going to be able to knock down shots and be unselfish. Um, but that's always a risk with that. And that's why I think the the big concern with, with any any guy like this, and you can say the same about Miles Plumlee, is you know you just don't sign. Uh, role players like that to really long-term deals if you don't have to. Um, and I think with, with Della Vadova in particular, you don't worry so much about the, the dollar figure, right? I mean, we said going into summer, there's no such thing as a bad two-year deal going into uh, going into this summer. And so the question is, you know, okay, well, could something happen where he's, you know, uh, he becomes uh, a difficult guy to trade and and he's not working out for whatever reason might be, then then you're kind of stuck with a guy who's, you know, again, it's not a back-breaking salary, um, but it's not nothing, right? It's it's on the margin. Uh, it, it matters a lot, especially if you're going to talk about being a, a business, right, that's trying to make a profit. If you're paying $9 million to a guy who, who you don't want to play, that, that would obviously be a bad thing. So, um, so yeah, I think it's positive. And, and you know, again, my thing with Del Vadova is, Look, he fits in Milwaukee with the kind of style he has. He, he just needs to do what he has been doing and certainly, again, do what he's been doing in the Olympics. If he does that, he doesn't have to be some different, you know, much better player than he has been. And that's obviously an encouraging thing because it's always a, a bit scary if you're banking on a on a 25-year-old guy to, to reinvent himself to, to live up to his deal. So hopefully he just sort of does what he's been doing, hits shots, defends, 
throw some good alley-oops apparently. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we go from there. I was going to say, the thing I was kind of thinking about was it was a post I wrote, but then we never ended up publishing because everyone on staff wanted to write something about Delhi. Um, <laughs> so I think we had, like, I don't even know how many we had. Oh, yeah, we, still, we still, you know, we still have Aaron and your pieces on, on that. We actually have Aaron was writing something on, uh, MCW versus Della Vido, which I'll ask you about in a moment. Um, but I, I think I think in the month of August, we'll yeah, I, I can clean it up. I can throw in some of the gifts of these lobs and stuff, and we'll be all good. Yeah. But it, in that thing, I I talked about there's certain things that matter with Delvadova, certain things that I would say don't matter, and certain things that could matter and make him a, a much better signing than you would think. And as I kind of went down the list, and I'll have to clean it up, and we'll get it posted up, but. One of the, with the things that matter, those are the things you mentioned. Was can he shoot threes? Can he continue to hit at a forty percent clip or so? Can he continue to defend, be a good team defender, and do that? And then for the things that don't matter, I mentioned. Well, now that he's not teammates with LeBron, everything's he's just going to be terrible. And I guess I don't necessarily subscribe to that, especially if Giannis is as good as most of us tend to think that he is. And also his reputation on the floor, those things don't matter. But then for the things that could matter and could sway something, that was the playmaking. If he is actually a solid playmaker and he is as good in the pick and roll as the numbers showed this year. And again, Tristan Thompson is good at that. And LeBron James is good at that. And Kevin Love, maybe he ran some with Kevin Love. Kevin Love is pretty good at that. So he played with good players, but the Bucks do have some guys that could be dangerous in pick-and-roll situations and could be very good at catching lobs, <laughs> especially Javari Parker. I just kind of thought of that, and oh, my, yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> oh, That could be dreamy. Um, so there's some stuff there that kind of underneath the surface of Delhi, and I think it was Matt Moore that tweeted out today that he remembered thinking in the 14-15 season, okay, there's a lot that I like about Delhi, but if he keeps working, there's some other skills that he has that could make him more than just a guy. He, he could turn into a good player rather than just a role player. And and I think those are some of the things that you're seeing, again, against lesser competition and maybe in a role that he's a little bit more comfortable, gets a bigger role. Uh, maybe we're seeing that here with this Australian team, but when you see him make plays and do some other things, it's hard not to think, man, could he actually have a, a bigger role and, and do more than just stand in the corner and shoot threes? And even if that's all he does, that's great. But if he could do more, that's always a good thing too. So it, it's just kind of interesting to think about the stuff that matters, doesn't matter, and could matter and could make that signing even better than we, we kind of think it is at this point. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think uh, we had another uh, question um, from from Alex Weiner uh, asking about Delvado's potential impact on Giannis and Jabari, both on and off the court. I mean, I don't know if he's going to impact them off the court. He seems like a totally fine dude. Uh, I don't want uh, I, I don't want Matthew Delvadova playing beer pong and uh, getting Jabari and uh, and Giannis into drinking PBRs or, or Coronas. That's that's for sure. Um, but, uh, but impact on the court, I think it's sort of what you're saying. I mean, I, mostly I think it's just, you know, keeping defenses honest, right. And being that, that spot up guy, which, which somebody like MCW just doesn't really do that. Um, but Hey, if he can be that, that guy who also can, um, you know, put Giannis in the, the, the role man 
uh, spot and Jabari in the role man spot and, yeah. and find those guys that, that would obviously be a positive thing. Um, but so, so let's kind of get to uh, the question I mentioned earlier. So, I mean, we've talked about this before, but it, it seems like, again, what we're kind of talking about, and this is not to make Delvadova have to be some, you know, big impact player or whatever, but just from a fit standpoint, you know, I think just the more we see, and ironically talking about Delvadova's lobs, you know, MCW is sort of notorious for throwing uh. wildly erratic lobs. Um, it feels like we're sort of trending continually in this direction of, you know, from a fit standpoint, it just makes sense to start Delvadova, bring MCW off the bench. And honestly, that that's not to say that, that Delvadova is going to play, you know, 30 plus minutes every night and, and MCW is, you know, playing second fiddle every night. But, um, but it just seems like from a fit standpoint, that just makes more sense than, than having MCW once again, try to, uh, start and, and just the numbers of him with the honest, especially last year, um, I don't know. It just doesn't. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense, and it just seems like you're playing sort of to, to politics and egos more than to uh, to making the best kind of move for from a basketball standpoint. But I, I don't know any any counter arguments you'd have to that. No, and I think it's a better fit for both players. It's not just that Delhi fits better with the first unit; it's that MCW fits better with the second unit. That they're. Again, he, he struggles shooting at the rim, and he can struggle at times uh, shooting from the three-point – or all the time from the three-point line. Um, but in those situations, it's – the best MCW you get is when he's ball dominant. And, again, that's not particularly good for a starting lineup. But for a bench unit, there you need to soak up – you need to soak up possessions, and you need to try to get some sort of shot at the rim. And, again – he could be elite if he could finish at the rim and kind of do all those things consistently, but MCW can kind of handle some of those second unit responsibilities and being a creator and having the ball in his hands more, especially with some of the players on the Bucks second unit this uh, upcoming season, that it makes more sense for him to be on the second unit as well. Like it doesn't make any sense for him to try to want to have the ball in his hands all the time when Giannis is going to be the point guard. So uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for both players that Delhi would be the one in the starting lineup and MCW would be the one coming off the bench. And like you said, there there's going to be nights where Delhi gets in foul trouble. There's going to be nights where MCW gets in foul trouble. And it it's going to be some nights are more Delhi nights and some nights are more MCW nights. But I, I can't imagine there's going to be a point where, like you said, it's Delhi for... 30 to 35 a night or anything like that. Like it's just going to kind of go and ebb and flow with the game. And I think uh, you're going to see Delhi and MCW playing together as well. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, assuming MCW is obviously around, uh, because I think stylistically they fit, right. Uh, I mean, Delavadova fits with the honest for the same reasons he can fit with, with MCW and the fact that you can defend smaller players or you can defend shooting guards. Right. Um, yeah. and MCW can defend both positions and Delvadova can can hang out off ball while, while MCW tries to attack, and and then you can space around him. And obviously, uh, having Mirza Talavich off the bench as well, I think makes sense with uh, with MCW. So I, I think, yeah, I, I think that there are uh, there are options there that that you can maybe build out second units. I, I still worry, especially if Greg Monroe is around, uh, about how you construct your defensive lineups, given that. Toledovich is is clearly going to have to play, and you want him to play as the the backup, you know, stretch four. Uh, and so, obviously, 
you do worry if Greg Monroe is is on the Bucks, then you know if he's starting, then then that's potentially an issue with Jabari, and if he's coming off the bench, then it's potentially an issue with with uh, with Mirza Toledovic. So that gives me some pause. But I think just on the topic of of Delhi and 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 MCW, uh, you know, I don't think their their success is mutually exclusive this season. Uh, and I think it's you know again, and hey, we're we're trying to say good things, optimistic things about MCW. It's yep. August. Yep. Uh, <laughs> But again, I think it's just a matter of finding that right role. Um, and I think it's very interesting. I mean, I think the, the most interesting thing is, is obviously what happens, I think, with Greg Monroe. He's sort of the most interesting question mark right now for the rest of the summer. And then if he's still around going into the season. But MCW would certainly be uh, be that guy if, if Greg Monroe is, is moved. You know, how does MCW adapt to potentially a new role? Uh, and uh, and is, he, is he content with that? So anyway, uh, I think we can maybe wrap that one up. Uh, I don't think we, we came close to the hour long deli oh, I, i'm so sorry to disappoint <laughs> so sorry to disappoint uh uh you know if uh if if we get overwhelming feedback for more <laughs> deli talk in our next podcast uh i don't know we can we can try to invent some maybe we'll just talk about della vadova related puns yeah for uh for for the next but i was gonna say 23 on eight shots 13 assists is that a Delva takeover I think this podcast is <laughs> Delva Dover. Uh, see, you just like to say, see, you you like to turn it into an ER. I, I'm I'm just Delva Dover. I, I just anyway. <laughs> the, this is going this is this is going downhill in a hurry. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, for Eric Name, I'm Frank Madden. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, hit us up. Obviously, subscribe on iTunes or your favorite RSS reader. We've got the links in the story. And let us know if there are any other additional topics you'd like to hear about. Send us an email at group at gmail uh, or a tweet. We'll do as well. And thanks for all the iTunes feedback. And we'll hope to be back very soon. Thanks. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.